Hello, Cough Combine listeners, and welcome to Podcast 16. Tony, welcome back. How was your trip to the States? Spectacular. Yeah? Wonderful, wonderful days of adding to my waistline. <laughs> what, what was the most enjoyable part? I'm guessing the bagels in New York. They were always a favourite when we were there. Yeah, no, uh, we did go to our favourite bagel shop in Times Square there, or on Broadway. Yep. Uh, so I went there on two mornings for breakfast. Uh, introduced uh, Boyana to the bagels, <laughs> so, which was great. Uh, no, the, listen, the whole trip was magnificent. So Santa Monica was great. It's, it's interesting going to three different major cities, being Los Angeles, um, New York, and Washington. You could have sworn you're just in three completely different countries. Yeah. Just the way they're governed, the way they are, the way they look, the people virtually three completely different countries but in saying that you know i love the u.s i love going there and it was a it was a wonderful way to start the next decade of my life well, it's fantastic to hear and it's glad to hear you celebrated your 30th birthday over there um we managed to not burn <laughs> down the, <laughs> we managed to not burn down the office so that's another highlight congratulations in well done <laughs> tony let's talk about the client journey today um we, we've touched on it before about the ways we've helped clients but i want to talk about the difference i guess of financial planning for different stages of life um, whether it be a young person starting out with a young family or um, we'll touch on a story of a client who recently come in and, and these guys have been retired for, I think, 10 years? Yeah, 10? yeah, easily. Yep. So, so, you know, people come to see us at very different stages, um, very different needs, and I just wanted to touch on all that. So I guess you've been in the industry 28 years. Um, there's always surprises and that client journey is always different. Yeah, it's... Um the journey or the process of what we do for clients has certainly changed substantially over that 28 years. The, and I think where as that originally it was a case of, you know, superannuation wasn't compulsory when I first joined the industry 28 years ago of National Mutual. Um, and basically it was a case of you're saving for things with after-tax dollars. You know, small businesses were looking for tax deductions and you'll put an insurance in place and maybe some investment bonds for the kids or, or stuff like that. So on that basis, the industry has changed dramatically as has our business over that 28-year journey as well. So it's it's been substantial. Yeah, so when we're looking, at, uh, let's, let's start at, uh, from a youth age. Let's talk about the different client journeys. Um, yeah. uh, it's it's going to be hard to, I guess lump people into a category i guess but let's let's talk about i guess you know a young couple in their 30s um early 30s first kids what are some some of the needs and why do we see these clients come in i think the the start with i think the journey is different for everyone Uh, i think that's one of the so for example um you might have that young couple that you just spoke about who uh, for them, the investment process is important. Other ones, it might just be a case of making sure the family protected is important. Um, I think we find that most people start to look at their journey and take it seriously uh, when they do have family, uh, when they do have children. All of a sudden, there's people to look after rather than just themselves. So I think that's that's one which is a bit of a highlight. I think, though, one of the different journeys that you're looking at there is that, of course, we are talking about simple things like once you have children, making sure that you're not leaving the family in a debt position, which is unaffordable on one wage because you've broken your back or had a heart attack or got cancer at a young age or died 
Um, so I think the important for those people, insurance is more important because there's there's people that now rely they're relying on each other, but there's now young kids relying on mum yeah, and dad I, to be able to turn up at home. If, as some, well. if someone's going to take out a heap of debt at a young age and yeah. one, one spouse is to pass away, it's going to be a pretty emotional time. If you have someone oh, pass away, it's and, horrendously emotional, then, as we've seen with clients you yeah. know, of recent years. You've seen, and then you're selling property at the same time because you can't afford to pay that mortgage. It's, it's just not going to work. No, it's not. And and I think that's what we always say. You know, insurance is about um, spending pennies to save the dollars. Yeah. Um, so when you think of the cost of insurance versus the risk involved, if you've got, if you're a young couple and you're supporting a million dollar mortgage or even a six hundred thousand dollar mortgage, uh, and you're to pass away and there's only one way supporting that, that's going to put a lot of pressure on you. Never mind the pressure if you have children, and something that a lot of people don't understand because thankfully they've never been in that position, the emotional stress. Yeah. You lose a partner on a Friday, you don't get up and go to work on a Monday. You've got young kids to console you who don't understand where mum and dad is or why they haven't come home. So that, that's why I think the importance, the, the fundamental root um, of a financial plan for a 30-odd-year-old stems around protection to start with. Now, bearing in mind they've got expenses <laughs> and the expenses that they've actually got are things like, for example, their mortgage repayments. And so for them, the idea of putting money aside for savings at this age at such a low uh, interest rate in mortgages, some of the, something, sometimes the best thing to do is try and get rid of as much of that principle as possible. Interest rates won't stay low forever. Yeah. Uh, but whilst they do, you know, it's, it's basically free money uh, savings. So it's for savings and it's free money on an asset that appreciates. There's a good risk thing. And as long as they turn up to work, they're getting savings to their retirement through superannuation anyway. Yeah. So I think the importance of a, that plan for that 30 odd year old is the um, idea of protecting their family and their assets and their future. Ah, well, let's move on to the next stage. I don't know exactly how to group these together, but let's say another young gentleman like you, um, moving into the other stage, the kids have got a lot older, they're sort of moving out of the house now, um, not near retirement or anything like that, but there's that sort of next stage. What's, what's the plan coming there? I think the... Let's let's take that 30-year-old... Actually, we'll go back and see if that's okay, Jamie. Um, yeah. Uh, let's take that 30-year-old and now make that couple 45. Yep. So 15 years into the journey now. They're now 45. Their children, you know, might be, for example, teenagers at this stage. They could be starting secondary school. That secondary school could be Catholic or private. So even though they might have taken a chunk into their mortgage now, there might be actually extra expenses to actually educate the children. Once again, go back to those insurance needs. The insurance needs now change. So, for example, the insurance that we put in place for that young couple at the age of 30 is now different at the age of, say, 45. When I say different, it's probably less. The requirement for it is less. They've had 15 years of superannuation contributions and growth. So in the event of their death, they've got that uh, to fund you know, retirement still. They've also got, uh, for example, hopefully have taken a decent chunk off their mortgage. So their insurance requirements might be less. And depending on what school, if they've got one, two, three or four kids, depending on what school they're sending them to, if you've got two kids and you're paying $15,000 a year in school fees for each one of them, $30,000 a year of after-tax money, you still have to make sure you know, that there's roughly you know, $300,000 set aside to pay for those school fees in the event of mum and dad not coming home. 
So based on that, the insurance requirements are probably less, but now there's a bit of an emphasis on, okay, we've got a decent superannuation balance now. All of a sudden our superannuation balance is combined, is you know, three or $400,000. And that starts to come more into play. So we might've been managing their, helping to manage their portfolio for the last 15 years, but now we're talking serious dollars and yep. serious growth. Um, if there is extra cash set aside, if they haven't paid off their mortgage by this stage and interest rates are low, you'd probably still be taking chunks off their mortgage. Uh, looking at uh, now that they've got good equity in the home over 15 years, it's probably doubled in value. So let's say they started off with that million dollar mortgage and 15 years later it's now 500,000, but their one and a half million dollar house is now 3 million. So they've now got good equity in that house. They might, for example, go and use part of that equity to go and you know invest in a portfolio or buy an investment property at that stage because they've got decent cash flow you now to be able to support it. And that, I mean, no advice here, general advice, disclaimer, <laughs> but in saying that, you know, if interest rates were low, uh, once again, good opportunity to actually do that. <coughs> it's, it's, it's not so hard to actually neutrally gear in an investment property with gearing when interest rates are actually quite low. So that 45 year old's journey might now be an investment property, they've got good equity in the home, still having some insurance to pay off the school fees, usually don't have insurance to pay off investment debt like an investment property because in the event of death they can just sell the property yep. and take the equity. Um, and then making sure that 400,000 is professionally managed with risk profile. So if you think of the 30-year-old who might have had, or the 25-year-old, or how old are you, 28? Yeah, not quite, not, not quite 28. <laughs> You're nearly my age. Not quite, tw not quite 28. <laughs> okay, yeah. so it's, um, your superannuation balance is less than what it would be when you're 45. Yep. Okay? So as a 28-year-old, if the market crashed like the GFC happened, you lost 50% of your balance, what is it? Two months' wage to you? Net wage? You know, so on that basis, you're not going to be crying. 45-year-old, 20 years out from your planned retirement age, your 400000 gets decimated to 200000 And even though it would only be for a period of time, obviously markets do come back, but that comeback could take three years, it could take five years, it could take seven years. All of a sudden, that comfortable retirement is not so comfortable. So you're, you should actually be now paying far more attention to the risk that you're prepared to take. And we had this discussion at home last night. You know, the the risk that Josh is prepared to take in his day trading. So I'm, I'm invested 100% in shares at the moment, but at the same time, I'm a long-term buy and hold. Um, I don't do his day trading. I was going to say, he's, he's loving his small caps at the moment. <laughs> yep, so it's uh, in a rising market, small caps are wonderful. <laughs> so it's, uh, but in saying that, I suppose what I'm getting at is your thought processes and ages of the kids and as a 30-year-old or as a 28-year-old, you know, prior to having children, um, with a mortgage versus, say, the 30-year-old who's now looking at planning a family versus the 45-year-old, you might think your risk profile hasn't changed, but nobody knows whether your risk profile has changed until you've been smacked across the years and watch your portfolio drop. Yeah. So I think that that's where the importance of what we do is, <coughs> is helping our clients understand what we call behavioural finance. Uh, so understanding their emotional intelligence, because it differs for everyone, 
in respect to the investment decisions they make. Yeah. So as an example, you don't mind a small flutter, and I know it's small, um, on the horses every so often, you've owned one, you know, or two, I think, yeah. uh, was one called Dog Food. Let's not start on the first. Yeah, but, but basically it was, it, was, um, it was a case of, you don't mind that, and you see that as a bit of fun. I don't gamble. Uh, because it just doesn't interest me. Not because I've got anything against it, it just doesn't interest me at all. It doesn't mean that you and I are different. We just have different behavioural thoughts because you're not gambling to try and get rich. You're gambling to just have a bit of fun and we're talking, you know, a couple of bucks a month. But if someone is a gambler who bets, you know, a couple thousand dollars a month, it doesn't matter what they're earning, they've got different behavioral modes and finances so so based on the investment decision the four hundred thousand dollar portfolio you know in your mid-40s that's a different decision you want some tax planning you're earning more now than what you were when you're 30 years old you got good equity in your home you're paying down your mortgage all of a sudden the idea of buying an investment property is you know very attractive yeah so come that 45 year old well, let's move on to, I guess, planning for retirement. So mm. we're, not, we're not quite at that 65, but leading up into that, um, what's some of the decisions that we're going to make in here for that? Well, once again, the decision that you're actually now making is you might not have thought that your risk profile has changed once again, but now we're talking about rather than being an accumulator, you're potentially talking about drawing down from your portfolio. Yeah. So once again, if I go back to that GFE, GFC comparison, um, the, the basis of it, if you think of that 28-year-old who's just lost 10 grand in his balance and doesn't really care about it, versus a 64-year-old that if the market came crashing down and they've now got a balance there, 400 grand's been, once again, managed unbelievably well for them by us um, all the way through. And they've now got a balance with their SG contributions. They're talking maybe $1.5 million uh, net, etc. To watch two or $300,000 come off that because a market has come down, but you're still drawing an income of fifty or 60000 from that, you're never going to recoup that lost capital. So this is where capital preservation comes into it. So... As an example, we've got a you know very wealthy family um, who are clients of ours in Sydney, and when we did their risk analysis, came out for them that they're a growth investor. Now these guys are in their eighties; they've got excess funds. They don't need to be a growth investor. So basically, about forty percent of their portfolio, you know, we stuck in an annuity. And even though interest rates are quite low at the moment, markets are volatile. So there's, there's no need for them to, even though we've got intergenerational wealth transfer occurring there with their, you know, two um, adult children who, you know, are my age, the basis of it is, is they don't need to be taking the risks. So if you don't need to be taking the risks, no matter what your risk profile comes out at, why would you? Yep. Um, and once again, in rising markets, people tend to forget about risk and there's inherent risk in everything, whether it be the property market invest or just leaving your money in cash and not earning enough you know, to cover inflation or the cost of spending. So for that journey leading into retirements, once again, that management of the portfolio compared to what you were when you were 28 years old to 30 to 45 to now, say, approaching age 65 is different. Yeah, I think the question also gets asked by a lot of clients is, you know, do we need to work an extra year or two? Yeah. Um, and, and that comes into the equation as well. No, we've had this discussion before, and so I don't want to bore people too much, but... You know, my philosophy is with my clients is that whilst you're young and healthy, you're retiring at 65 and, you know, 
65, a 65 year old today can live, you know, to 30 years. Um, you know, we've got one client who, uh, Les would be coming up to 92 now this year. So, so basically, and he's been 24 years, 23 years. So I think the basis is, is that your money actually has to last, but what you can do with your retirement, you have to have planned retirement. When I say planned retirement, you don't necessarily, are, you're not forced to retire. You can actually just make the decision to retire if you want yeah. to be in that position. And, you know, when we were in the US and you asked uh, Dr. Eugene Lerner, who's 90 years old, why do you still come into the office every day? You go swimming every morning, you put on your suit and tie and you still come to the office every day. And he looked at you and he said, well, what am I going to do, die? <laughs> you know, so it's... Um, and I, I think that's the key is that having a reason to get out of bed in the morning is actually there's something that is so vitally important. So I think for that retiree, if we go back to if we go back to the retiree in that case, you can spend more money between the ages of 65 and 70 than what you can 70 to 75 than what you can 75 to 80. And as you know in here, you're going to be wheeling me out in the coffin. I'm not leaving here until then, so I'll be annoying all of you, you know, when I'm, and I don't plan on going until I'm 105. <laughs> I keep pushing that out, you know, every birthday because I don't want to ever get to the halfway point. But the fact is, is that whilst you physically and emotionally can have a bit of fun with your funds, do it. And we've got a lot of clients now who once upon a time was sacrilege, you'd never do it, but they're happy to sell their big houses and downsize. Yeah. They're happy to sell their house that they bought for $50,000 now for $2.5 million and downsize to a $1.5 million house and have some excess funds left over. And why shouldn't they? No, so I'm not, I'm not suggesting spend the kids' inheritance, but what I'm saying is don't scrimp and save, have a good time. You know, so the kids have got compulsory super. They didn't. Yeah. So have 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 a good time. You know, enjoy it a bit. So I think I think from that journey, once again, it's same client, different risk profile. Their kids are now adults and parents themselves, and we've got this, as you know, with a number of our clients have been clients in here twenty odd years, where they started as clients as ours as fifty year olds, and now seventy, and we're doing their intergenerational wealth transfer, and we're actually managing their kids. Um, accounts as well and we're doing that in advance obviously to save tax why pay tax if you don't have to you know so it's um so i think from that perspective the entire client's journey is different but what's important is don't see someone once and then put it in place and never have it reviewed and that and that as you know jamie is a real bane of contention for me in this industry yeah um is if someone gets something done and then they don't hear from that advisor again as per what we've just stated, the journey changes. And we've had clients for 20 plus years and we've seen the journeys change. We've seen, we've had people who, you know, kids uh, are now, you know, got kids themselves. And, you know, one client, I remember when their son was, you know, five, uh, he's now 26, and we're now doing an intergenerational, he's a Sydney-based client too, and we're now doing an intergenerational wealth transfer for him. Yeah. I remember he was a, he was a snotty nose little kid, <laughs> you know. So and I think I think it's important even for our own clients that you know if to, if times do change and there's circumstances that change, there are major events that to pick up the phone and, and to let us know of those changes. Yeah, well, as you know, we we look after a number, and it's all been females so far, but we look after a number of divorcees 
where we do the financials and come up with help and recommendations for the lawyers in respect to, you know, going through on divorces. And we're talking decent dollars in respect to some of those divorces. But in a lot of those cases, what's gone and happened is that, you know, the, the in this case, because we've only ever looked after the wives, they haven't really looked after the finances, but now they've got this independence and it's a scary time. So times do change. We've, we've got them as clients when they've had huge upheaval, emotional upheaval, you know, so it's, um, and so it's, you know, asset upheaval, having to change. And we've got one recently who, you know, she's done amazing over the last three years where she's now gone and sold her, uh, her large property, which was, is part of the settlement and she's downsizing uh, to a beautiful apartment here in Collingwood. Uh, absolutely beautiful. So, that's the decisions that they now have to make. So that upheaval is actually quite important, but knowing where to go and knowing that you can always come back and keep asking for that advice is important. And we talk about her as an example. When we first met her, there was a small requirement for trauma insurance. And it was because in the event of something happening to her, she was going to be in a bit of strife. Uh, you know, she's in her 50s. She was going to be in a bit of strife financially uh, for that. Now that she sold a place and downsized and got a lump sum of money left over, there's no requirement for that insurance anymore. So yeah. that insurance will be cancelled. So you only have insurance when you're required. So that's an example of even a 50-year-old who had it. But if they weren't getting reviewed, they'd still be paying for something that they no longer need. Yeah. And she's healthy and hopefully she lives to 105 as well and, and never has any issues, <laughs> you know, so she's as healthy as the day comes. But it's but it's more the fact of that it's in they're in place whilst there is a requirement. There's no longer a requirement, there'll no longer that insurance will be in place. Fantastic. Tony, thank you very much for going through the journey with me about the client journey. Well, you're the 28-year-old Jamie, so with his first mortgage, so we'll go from there and see how we're looking at 65. Eh? <laughs> we'll see his then, so I think we'll be a fair few episodes in by that stage, but yeah, thank be. you very much. Absolute pleasure.